Uh, hello again. Uh, again, my name is Nathan. I will be reading the scripture for today, which takes, uh, is taken from Genesis 39, uh, verses 1 to 23, which is the whole chapter. Um, so again, the passage is from Genesis 39, 1 to 23. You can follow along in your own Bibles or follow along on the screen. Uh, I'll be reading from the ESV or the English Standard Version. Genesis 39, 1 to 23. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, the, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had, been, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused uh, all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife caught his uh, caught her eyes in Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master had no concern about anything in the house, and he has put, me, uh, put everything that he has in my charge. He is no greater in his, this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he was into the house, when he went into the house uh, to do his work and none of, the, none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew uh, to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie, uh, to lie with me and cried out with a loud, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted my voice, and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up her garment, his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this, uh, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison uh, 
put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Uh, whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Nathan. So it's been two weeks since we've been in Genesis. Last week was our missions conference. Uh, I heard from speaker Isabel Lee. And if you remember, two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, we were talking about uh, Judah and Tamar, another story of like a sex scandal. And so here we are again. And so if you, uh, this isn't the focus of the message, but I just wanted you to see the context here is that chapter 38 was about Judah and Tamar and how Judah, his own sinfulness, you know, led to this mess, right? Well, then here today we see in contrast Joseph's faithfulness and, and how he was faithful. He, would, he did not fall to that temptation. So that's, that's just an aside of the, seeing that context and that differences. But today's text, we see that Joseph uh, now, as the story jumps to Joseph, it's actually 37 is about Joseph, chapter 37, then 38 was a little break in the story about Judah and Tamar, and now the rest of Genesis is all about the story of Joseph and uh, how God's salvation plan for his people, the Israelites, Jacob's and his children, um, are, is carried through, through Joseph. And so Joseph's here as a slave in Egypt is a model of faithfulness to the Lord, despite the bad circumstances that surrounding him at this moment in chapter 39. So we saw in chapter 39, it starts after Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. So again, just imagine the trauma that was for Joseph at that moment when he was betrayed by his 10 older brothers and sold into slavery to this Ishmaelite traitors. And these Ishmaelites brought then Joseph as their prisoner or their slave to Egypt and then sold him again to make a profit. And we're told in the beginning of chapter 39 that Potiphar, who is an official of Pharaoh, buys Joseph, purchases him, and Potiphar is the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. So he's a, he's a high official in the cabinet of the Pharaoh, the leader and uh, Egypt at that time was probably one of the most powerful nations in the world, in that part of the world. And so Potiphar is Joseph's master. And as time passed and Joseph did his work, Potiphar noticed that everything Joseph seemed to do succeeded and was very good and, and that the Lord was with him, as the scriptures say. Now, how did Potiphar, who worships these different gods in Egypt, um, connect that the Lord, meaning the Lord, the God of Israelites, or the God of Canaan, as in view, would be with Joseph. How did he know this? How did he perceive this? And the only thing we can think of here, and seeing the context of Joseph's whole story, is that it's probably because Joseph told him so. <laughs> that the, you know, the, the success you see, and you're giving me credit for, is not me. It is the God I believe in. The God of my fathers. My God of you know, Jacob, and God of Isaac, the God of Abraham. 
And so we, we just assume this because how does Potiphar connect that the Lord's is with Joseph, and that's why he's successful in all that he partakes. And so, I mean, how else could Potiphar make that connection, right? So Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of running his whole household, including all the work that's done outside his household in the fields. And this takes a lot of trust. And so Potiphar's wife, then we hear, uh, notices Joseph, and uh, he's handsome, I guess, a young guy, and so she's attracted to him, and she, who knows, maybe Potiphar's working too much, never at home, and Joseph's there all the time because he's the slave at home, and so she just wants to have sex with him. She's bored, or she's missing her husband, who knows, right? What's the situation? But that's the truth. So it's like this day after day, it seems, ongoing allure that's trying to seduce Joseph to have sex with her, to lie with her. But Joseph refused because he knew it would be a sin against God. And also, it would severely break the trust Potiphar had put in him, right? So uh, he, he refuses, and Joseph's faithfulness shines brightly here. It's almost the brightest point in all of this story of Joseph that his faithfulness to God is just we're obvious here. And, and then chapter 39 continues, as we heard, that Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph saying that he was trying to sleep with her, which was the opposite of the truth, and she made up this story to support her claim. And then Potiphar is outraged when he hears this story, and he throws Joseph in the prison uh, unjustly, and then Joseph is in prison there, confined. But here's the interesting thing, is where does Joseph get thrown into prison? He's thrown into prison where the Pharaoh's prisoners are confined. Joseph hasn't had any connection to the Pharaoh other than through Potiphar, right? And so there's this interesting information here. Why did Potiphar put Joseph in the Pharaoh's prison? And uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. So though falsely accused and punished, Joseph continued to serve faithfully. And that's the title of today's message, right? Faithful in all things. And so he continues to serve faithfully. Look at... Um, Verses 21 and 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So now he's in prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Joseph's faithfully served in the name of his Lord God in whatever circumstance he was forced to be in at this point in his life, even being wrongly imprisoned. So here in chapter 39, before we get into some of the takeaway points, is I want us to notice that there's two key phrases that are repeated through chapter 39. And the first is, the Lord was with the Lord was with. This phrase occurs four times in chapter 39, saying that the Lord was with Joseph specifically. Now, God was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. He was with Joseph, we are told, in prison, when he was in prison. And yet, each setting, Joseph clearly sets out to work, um, in a sense, trying to be helpful even though he's a slave and then a prisoner, but he, in his context, he works hard and 
and tries to do it in a trustworthy manner, and he gives credit to God for any successes that come from his work. See, the conviction that God is with us in every situation, every, all the time, kind of frees you and me up who follow Jesus to be good, to do our best, because we're not working for our terrible boss. We're not working for anybody, really. We're working representing our Lord God in all that we do, in all that we have, faithful in all things. It frees us up. No matter even if we see setbacks that happen to us, we continue to be faithful to who we really work for, and that is the Lord God. And Joseph's faithfulness prepared him for the sudden and unexpected uh, change and promotion that happens later on in Genesis, which is exciting because he becomes the second in command of all of Egypt, and his faithfulness prepared him for that because he was faithful in the little things and the small things. And we hear this from Jesus. If we're faithful to God in the small things, then God will entrust us with greater things to be faithful to him in. He will give it to us. And when we are convinced that God is always with us, then we will live for him in all that we do. That's the truth, and we see this in Joseph's life. And when we are convinced, then we live this way. The phrase, the Lord was with Joseph, is descriptive of this relationship that God had with Joseph and Joseph had with God. Because technically, God is with you and with me. He's with everybody because he's everywhere. He's always with us. We can't escape him. We can go up to the moon, right? He's going to be up there. We can go down the depths of the sea. He's going to be there. So he's always with us. So what's the difference here? The difference is Joseph was with him. Joseph was trustworthy and faithful to God. God was with Joseph, and it states it this way, because Joseph was with God. It means there was this harmony in this relationship at this point, and that's what made Joseph so different from all the other slaves. It's because God was with Joseph, and he lived like God was with him. He didn't ignore him. But not everyone trusts in the Lord like Joseph did. Um, the Lord and Joseph was together and Joseph knew this, and he was faithful despite all the difficulties that we see in chapter 39, being sold into slavery and then being put into prison unjustly. You know, it's interesting, in Eastern cultures, it's common for people to bear the image of their leader that they follow. And, for example, in the Middle East, uh, they often bear the image, literally bear the image <laughs> of their leaders that they, at like, parades or rallies or political gatherings, they'll do these image-bearing uh, of the picture of their leader, and, uh, and we see this commonly in the Middle East. It's in this Eastern culture, and, and similarly, Joseph bore the image of his Lord God by always pointing people to him and saying, hey, the success that you're granting to me is not me, it's the Lord giving me success. And, and that's, I say, is in the sense of when we look at the scriptures and we see Joseph and how he lived and we hear about what he said, this has to be the case. And that's why Potiphar was able to connect the dots and why the prison uh, person in charge of the prison connected the dots as well and, and just pretty much put Joseph in charge of everything and didn't care and didn't worry about it because they could trust Joseph because the Lord was with Joseph. But then the other side, the other key phrase that repeats through this chapter is the phrase, in charge. In charge. 
So Joseph, because the Lord was with Joseph, he was put in charge of Potiphar's household. Because the Lord was with Joseph, he was put in charge of the prisoners and all that was done in the prison. So you see how these two are connected. But this phrase, in charge, is repeated multiple times, at five times in this chapter 39. And it pops up again in chapter 41, when the Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. So there's this, this repeated phrase here. And the phrase in charge in the Hebrew, because this part of the Bible was written in Hebrew, the original language, is it's like translated here as a, almost a verb, but it's actually just one word. It's a noun, and it's yad, if that means anything to you. It just means hand. Just it was put into Joseph's hand. Also can mean and translate as power or uh, control in that sense, but it's just literally hands. And um, the word yad occurs eight times when you look at the Hebrew of chapter 39. It's repeated eight times. To put into the hand of someone means to give them control or in responsibility for whatever that is. Because now it's in their hand. They have control over it, right? So that's the image here. And that is what actually God does with each of us. If you think about it, he puts into our hand all that we have right now. Whether it's the things we have, the responsibilities we have, the job we have, the education we have, the family, the children we have the responsibility for our grandparents or our parents who are elderly, whatever it is, our relationships, everything is put into our hands. He's put us in charge like he did to Joseph. And really, he wants us to faithfully serve him, no matter what the circumstances are. So when we look at the life of Joseph in Egypt, we see three ways then in which he was faithful to God. And so the first thing we, we notice is that Joseph was faithful to honor the Lord in all things, just like uh, the title of the message, right? The faithful in all things. No matter how little Joseph had to work with when he was just sold as a slave and he had no trust from anybody, he was an unknown, he was faithful with what God had entrusted into his hand as a slave. And he used it and he, and he just faithfully served and honored the Lord in what he did. And that was true of him whether he was a slave in Potiphar's house or whether he was a prisoner in the Pharaoh's prison, he was faithful with what God had put into his hand. And then later we'll see that he's the same faithfulness that he applies to being in charge of all of Egypt. Even though he had great power then, he was very faithful to God still. And we hear Joseph mentioning God in his rejection of Potiphar's wife. So here's another reason why we come to think that he must have spoke about God all the time and connected these dots for people. Listen to what he said when he was refusing, the reason why he was refusing Potiphar's wife. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And then later, Joseph gave credit to God when we see in chapter 40, the next chapter, when he's interpreting dreams, uh, or about to, for, the, um, for Pharaoh's uh, cupbearer and, um, what was it, baker, that's it, yeah. Listen to what he said there. He says, do not interpretations belong to God? And, and then later, another chapter later, he mentions God again to Pharaoh himself when Pharaoh comes to him and asks him to, to interpret his dream. Listen to what he says there. 
chapter 41. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph was careful to always give God the credit for any of his successes. He give and point people to God. You know, once I read of a man with this unusual name called Rings, and he is an old man, and he, he's a homeless man. He lived in the cab of his pickup truck, believe it or not, and he lived in Ocean Beach, California, near downtown, where he parked his pickup truck. And he is a chain smoker. He's an ex-convict. He's an ex-addict. He's an ex-alcoholic. And Rings, this guy, likes to say that if Jesus can save him, then Jesus can save anyone or everyone uh, because he's all messed up. So instead of using his monthly um, check that he got from the government, to buy alcohol and rent a hotel room so he can be more comfortable for a short time. Uh, Instead of doing that, he spends all of it on food at the local supermarket. And then he transfers the food from what he buys to the coolers in the back of his pickup. And then he drives his pickup to the local beach there in Ocean Beach, California. And he feeds his fellow homeless. He makes meals for them. And when they come over to the pickup and he's making the food for them and everything, he tells them about Jesus and how Jesus changed his life. And if Jesus can change his life, he definitely can change their life because he's, you know, an ex-addict and <laughs> he's, he's a messed up guy that Jesus redeemed and transformed him and gave him a meaning to live. Because he knows, it says here when, and when I read about him, is that literally everything he has was given to him by God. And so he's just basically, literally giving everything to help these fellow homeless people. See, all that you and I have, God has provided for us. Everything, including our body, our health, our function, our skills, our talents, our, our lifespan. Right? He has determined the number of our days. Everything we have is provided by him, and he entrusted it to our care. He entrusted it to our hand. He puts us in charge of that. How will we put it to work for him? How will we be faithful to point in all that we have people to him and the successes that he allows us to have in life? See, Joseph was faithful to honor the Lord in all things. The second way Joseph was faithful was with his skills and his talents. And Joseph was highly skilled in administration. We can pick this up Joseph used this skill at every opportunity. Uh, Potiphar saw this skill when Joseph was working as a slave, and he obviously saw the success of what he was doing, and so he gave him more responsibility and more responsibility to the point he trusted everything into his care. And so it wasn't just the skill, remember, but it was that God was with Joseph in the practice of his skill so that he had success. And so we don't know what those details are, but Potiphar gave him that responsibility then with the trust that he could trust Joseph with him practicing that skill with his household. And then we even see this in this prison, right, later. In time, Joseph has given charge of the prison, 
And then we see this as well, him throw out this, using his skill of administration and his insight, how to organize things and carry things out, when he interprets the Pharaoh's dream later, and then afterwards he gives the Pharaoh a plan on the spot on how the Pharaoh could plan for the seven years of famine that were going to hit Egypt in the future. So he's like, this is what you should do, you know, to prepare for that because of his skill of administration, and he used this skill to point people to God. And then this other ability we learn of Joseph in the next two chapters is he also has this skill to interpret dreams. So he interprets the dreams of the chief cupbearer for Pharaoh and the baker when they're in prison with him, and then he later interprets the Pharaoh's dreams, right? And, and he interprets these dreams accurately to be true because God is with him and gives him success. So again, Joseph faithfully used his skills and talents, always giving God the credit for his successfulness in this. You know, uh, Denzel Washington is like a modern-day uh, example of someone using all that they have for the Lord God. He's, he's one of Hollywood's most successful and respected actors. He's a two-time uh, Academy Award winner for... Whoa, what was that? Oh, this is an old PowerPoint. Okay, you can just shut this off. <laughs> I sent you the wrong PowerPoint. Yeah, that's, that's all wrong. So you just shut it off. <laughs> it doesn't follow. <laughs> My bad. So, but uh, he's a two Academy Award winner of two movies. One is The um, Glory, if you've ever seen that. It's a Civil War movie. He got Best Supporting Actor for that. And then Training Day, which is another kind of a dark movie. But he got Best Actor for that. So I just bring this up because he's one of Hollywood's highest-profile Christians. And, and it's amazing because he's the son of a Pentecostal preacher from Mount Vernon, New York, not far away from here. Uh, Washington Denzel says he reads the Bible every day, and when he chooses a role to act, he always chooses a role that he thinks he can bend toward um, in the direction of a positive, redeeming message or uh, that gives him a chance to, like, display the role of his deep personal faith in some way. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm just talking to May. I was like, yeah, it makes me want to go back and watch all his movies to see how he did that, you know, how he, especially I get to watch Training Day again. I remember that was a dark movie, so I wonder how his character there uh, portrayed that in some way, or at least the situation around him. But Washington tries to make the most of what he believes um, God has given him to work with, and at this point, it's like worldwide fame and one of the most successful acting careers of his generation. How is he going to use that to, for God's glory, right? And in an in interview with Reader's Digest, Washington said the... F uh, oh, man. Yeah, forget it. I, he said the next quote. I'm, I just put this down. I don't need to click anymore. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this, listen to what he said. It ain't about me... I've been given certain abilities, and I look at it this way. What are you going to do with what you have? Who are you going to lift up with what you have? See, Washington is a Hollywood superstar, but he's far from perfect. Right? We don't idolize someone like him. He's just a brother in Christ, a sinful brother in Christ, just like the rest of us. We're sinners. But he offers a rare example of a Christian who is in a place of fame and success that hasn't let it quite go to his head completely. 
he's trying to still use what God has given him for God's glory. And it's an encouragement to us. Because he has remained grounded in the Bible and his faithfulness to God and relationship with God. You see, in the New Testament, the letter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, they also challenge us to be faithful in whatever God has given us. Listen to what the, these verses say there. And it's pointing to our skills and talents. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Joseph carried this out and was faithful to honor the Lord in all that he did and all the things he had, but also in his skills and talents that God had given him. And then the third way we learned that Joseph was faithful was was faithful in his relationships that God had given him. See, Joseph didn't use his relationships for his own personal gain. If we do that, then we're not faithful and not pointing people to Jesus. Instead, he faithfully served those God put into his life, whether it was from his choice or just from his circumstances, right? So we see that with Potiphar when he was a slave and he was purchased by Potiphar. He was faithful to that relationship to the point where he refused to sleep with Potiphar's wife at her request. But because he didn't want to sin against God to be faithful to him and he did not want to betray the trust that Potiphar had put into him. So he was faithful in his relationships, pointing people to God. And if Joseph had used his privileges in any way for himself, if he had like taken food when he was hungry, though it wasn't given to him because he had over, you know, charge of the household, or if he had slept with Potiphar's wife at her request, or if he had like treated the other servants that were under his care with cruelty, or if he was lazy himself in his duties, if, you know, if any of these things had happened, he would have not been faithful in the relationships that he had been given in charge of, and he would have dishonored the Lord God. You know, for example, I cringe when I, I hear Christians take advantage of people they know, friends that they have, that work at, say, a retail store, and they know that their friend gets some kind of employee discount. And so they say, oh, can you buy this for me? You know, because you're going to get the discount, and then I can get the gain from that. Even, you know, and it's fine if it's the store policy that says, yeah, you can buy things for your friends or whatever. That's no problem. But most stores don't say that. It's for you as the employee to get the discount, not your family and your friends and anybody who has an acquaintance with you, right? So then we're, so if we use that relationship for our own personal gain, then we are not honoring God. We are not being faithful to the Lord in that relationship. We're using it for our own personal gain. We're using our friend, <laughs> which that doesn't sound right. right? Like, use your friend. It's, it's our own personal gain. The relationships that we have are all God-given. We are to be faithful in the relationships we have with others to honor the Lord God, faithfully serving them, caring for them, sharing the truth of God with them when we have opportunity, and all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And these relationships include everyone. Think about it. Could be our roommate, our family members, our 
parents, our brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, classmates, people on the bus next to us that we may bump into regularly, commuting to work, whatever it is. Whoever's in our life, they're given to us by God and trusted to our care. So when we live for God, like Joseph, then we are living, knowing, and believing, and depending on this truth that God is with us always, because he was with Joseph. But that also means that we are with God. We know this truth, and we live accordingly, doing our best in all circumstances to bring him glory, not just to get a promotion. You know? <laughs> Though if we do get a promotion, you know, that's not a bad thing, but it's because we are working for the Lord God. And that is the truth. So, you know, the last words of Jesus speak to this. It's a promise to his followers. Do you remember what the last words he said in the Great Commission? At the end of that, in Matthew 28, 20, he said, and surely I am with you always. I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the great comforting promise of God that he is with us. And that should in itself transform our lives and how we live. So the question is practically for us to ask is, are we faithfully honoring the Lord God in all the things he has given us? Are we faithful with the skills and talents that he's provided and gifted us with? Are we faithful to him in the relationships that we have, all our relationships? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth But when we think about this, we fall far short in so many ways because we know this side of eternity, we continue to struggle with our sinful natures. But yet, on the other hand, we rejoice, Lord, because we know that the Spirit of Christ that you have put inside us by faith and trust in you enables us more and more as you transform us from the inside out to to demonstrate to people, to live in a way that points people to you in and through all the things that you have given us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in each of our lives and that we would just rejoice as we see others come to realize the truth of your salvation and grace for them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.